This is Todd from the Junkyard Outreach. Welcome and thanks for joining me. For more information and episodes, check out junkyardoutreach.com. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. As a new believer, I saw many people in church praying a lot, before service and after service and even in the parking lot. I came to Christ in a church that understands that prayer is not only a vital part of our personal relationship with Jesus, but it's also a way of doing business in a church. It's our business to pray for one another. It's our business to be in prayer. If someone comes to a church, they sit, they sing, they listen to the service, they sing again, they leave, then there's a huge opportunity to see God in action that just vanished. If that's all we're doing, it's just coming and going. And we as older believers sadly can become complacent in the battle and spend our church time going through the motions while people are walking in and out with huge spiritual needs that we could easily address, if not meet, by simply engaging in the battle. But as James says, pray for one another that you may be healed. So here, as well as other places in Scripture, we are commanded to pray for one another. But really, what does that look like? How are we to pray? What do we pray for? Well, looking a little closer at that verse, we see an opportunity for healing, which is not limited to physical healing. There's emotional healing, there's sexual healing, there's spiritual healing as well, and more. If we start with a heart to seek Jesus, then we'll see whatever healing we need begin to happen. And if we have that heart to simply talk to him like we talk to our best friend, then we really enhance our relationship with him. And in that, we can find that healing we desire or perhaps don't even know we need. There may be things in our lives that we don't even realize it, and we need some healing. And James continues by saying that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And breaking this down a little, we'll find that that original word for effectual, fervent is, in other places, translated work or working. It's the Greek word energio, which I believe is where we get our word energy from. It means to be active and efficient. It means to get out and do work. Go for it. Work hard. Do great things. That kind of thing. It's that attitude of we're working hard. So looking at that with that in mind, the hard-working, efficient prayer of a righteous man or woman, it avails much. Prayer works, man. It works and it works well if we're willing to do what God has told us. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, one of the, in my opinion, foundational verses in Scripture gives the four pillars of the church. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. There's four things there. And I have said this in other episodes, and I'll keep saying it because it's huge. The church stands on these four legs. Solid teaching, that's the New Testament apostles' doctrine, and the Old Testament, of course, how it all fits together. Fellowship, that's hanging out with one another, breaking of bread, that's communion or fellowship with God, and sharing our lives with one another in prayers. You take one away, the church becomes wobbly. You take two away, it falls over. Take three away, it's now leaning only on one, and you take the final one away, and it completely crashes. I think of some churches that I've been to, and many stood on at least two of these legs, but there have been a few where I had to ask myself, is this a Christian church? Because none of those things were really evident. The same truth is evident in a believer's life. All four of these legs should be in place. We should be standing strong and equally balanced with these four things in our lives. And this gives us solid footing to fight these spiritual battles that we face daily. 
And prayer is a daily thing. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. First Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. And prayer creates unity among brothers. In 1 Timothy 2, 8, I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. Wow, what if the church today would get together and pray without quarreling? Just think about your circle. What if you'd find a couple of people and you pray earnestly, lifting up those holy hands, lifting up your hands to the air, saying, God, here I am, take me and do your will. What if we would do that without arguing or without being angry at one another? Think about that. And God instructs his people to pray and promises things if they're faithful. And this is not just New Testament stuff. This is found in the Old Testament as well. Prayer has been around for a long time. In Second Chronicles 7.14, a classic verse, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Man, can you imagine if all the churches in the U.S. would stop the churchianity crap and humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways? Our sick land, which is growing sicker, would be healed. But we won't. Why? Because the vast majority of professing Christians don't want to humble themselves. They don't want to pray. They don't want to seek God, seek His face, and they don't want to turn from their wicked ways. They want everything done their way. But that doesn't mean that we can't do these things. In our own individual lives, we humble ourselves, we pray, we seek His face, we turn from our wicked ways, and we say, Lord, here I am. Take me, heal me, and He will. He will hear from heaven, He will forgive our sin, and He will heal our land. And it may not be our country, but it may be our home maybe our family, maybe our work situation, who knows, but there is a promise right there. If my people, then I will. There is no maybe in that verse. You know, I've learned a lot of lessons about church in the years that I've been a believer, and one of those lessons is that if I'm faithful to follow Jesus and walk in the light, not in the darkness, I know I am at odds with a lot of Christians right off the bat. Because when you say things like, yeah, I just want to serve Jesus. In many Christian circles, they'll look at you weird and say something like, okay, hmm. oh, look at the time, I got to go. And then they disengage because a lot of people, they don't want to surrender their lives to Jesus, as the scriptures say. They want loopholes so they can have it their way. And it's sad. But God's word is full of promises. And this verse in Second Chronicles seven fourteen has a promise for reward, the healing of their land as a result of obedience. And that obedience requires prayer. In Matthew 6, 6, it says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, there's no maybes there. Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Another promise for the person serious about prayer. Prayer also helps us address our enemies and do it in a way that pleases God. And this may seem annoying, but really it allows God to take vengeance on our behalf. We try to take our own vengeance. God's going to say, all right, it's on you, man. It's a lot better to say, Lord, I'm going to pray for this person. They're all yours. It's pretty cool when God disciplines your enemies. And I know this one. I've got some pretty funny stories. Matthew 5, 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And Luke 6, 28, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Pray for them. Intercede for them, for their souls. But what's our natural inclination? And we see this demonstrated by the apostles what their natural heart was towards their enemies in a story, Luke 9, 51. And it came to pass in the completing of the days of his being taken up, 
that he fixed his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers before his face. And having gone on, they went into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Now, the Samaritans and the Jews did not like each other. And Jesus was like, hey, let's unite. I want to see these guys get saved. Go up there and let's make a place for us. Verse 53, it says, and they did not receive him because his face was going to Jerusalem. So they're like, what are you guys doing? Now we're just heading out. We're going to go to Jerusalem. Get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. And his disciples, James and John, having seen, said, Lord, you that we may command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah also did. Now, Elijah was an Old Testament prophet who liked fire. James and John are referring to a story in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 7. It says, He said to them, What kind of man was he who came to meet you and told you these things? And they answered him, He wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather about his waist. And he said, It's Elijah, the Tishbite. Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 men with his 50. He went up to Elijah, who was sitting on top of a hill. And he said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. But Elijah answered the captain of the 50, If I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. And that actually happened twice. So James and John, they wanted to incinerate these Samaritans. No rebuke, no reason, no compassion, just fire from heaven coming down on their heads. That's the way we are. We got to get over that. We got to learn to pray for our enemies because they're going to face God one day. Don't take vengeance. Pray for your enemies. Then Jesus said, and having turned, he rebuked them and said, you have not known of what spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save. And they went on to another village. And this is the way we often think. Not God's will be done, but my will, based on my feelings. We pray for our enemies to get saved and not destroyed. First Peter 3.12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So prayer is huge. Getting into a habit of prayer, effectual, fervent prayer, means you're getting real with God. You will see the results, and you will see the promises of Scripture come to light in your own life. Thank you.